Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain today. We are in August and this is our Autistics in the Workforce Month. We are showcasing and talking about us, where we are, what we're doing in the world, how we're doing it, and what we want to do in the world. One of the biggest factors that impacts and influences how we work and how we show up, not just at work, but in our daily life, is our health. One of the biggest places that we spend most of our time, other than at home, is at work. And often our work and our well being aren't thought of as priority. Sometimes we hit a place of burnout and it has to do with we're bored in our work. You know, those of us with ADHD, we're looking for those dopamine hits. And at some point in our careers, we reach a point where we're just bored. And we reach a point where we feel we're hitting burnout. My guest today is Pauline Harley, and she is a career and wellness coach. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic. By unveiling who you are, how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out, and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream, say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be talking to you today. Oh my goodness, this is huge. Thanks, Carol. Thanks. I love your energy. (laughs) It's radiating into me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll I'll tell you, I, when I met you on LinkedIn, when I came across your account, I honestly think I started vibrating. I got so excited. Because of what you're doing in the world. First of all, you are one of my lovely friends from Ireland. You know, my friend Zoe and and all my girlfriends from my art club. We're, they're based in Ireland. I I have an affinity and a love for Irish. So I, I love being able to talk to and listen to you today. This is always just my thrill. But what you do in the world and how you do it is really important. You're teaching and coaching and now researching, working on your dissertation in how careers and our health align, how we do this as neurodistinct humans. And I know that you're a late identified autistic 2021, and you also have some health conditions. You've got Crohn's. And that's one of the things that we talk about here on the show is it's not just our health, our mental and physical well-being go together. They're both neurodistinct. So I would love for you to just share with everybody, Pauline, how did you start I know a little bit of your story, but I want you to share it. How did you start on this path of career coaching and well-being together? Career coaching and well-being, but it started off in career coaching. Um, I was made redundant in 2015 after 22 years as an insurance broker. So in that space, I pretty much spent 11 years of that burnt out as an undiagnosed autistic 
loads of other factors, travel life and partners and children and everything in on top of that. And um, again, I think I kind of fell into my career out of <clears throat> circumstance and choice. So when 2015 came along, I had just done a bit of radical, radical acceptance of myself when my son turned 18 and I decided this was my time now and sorry that was 2014 before my redundancy and I had done a bit of a value alignment um with my health after spending pretty much that 11 years chronically ill and burnt out so off I went and got myself a bit more physically healthy which in turn transitioned into more mentally mental health and confidence and strength and then my redundancy was really just the final piece of the puzzle I knew when it came along I was confident enough to take it and be grateful for it and allow that to be effectively the beginning again you know I felt like I was beginning again because I was 38 at the time and I just was kind of stuck there in that kind of crisis of identity. It's similar, probably like the crisis of identity you have when you find out that you're autistic in some ways. It was like that personal and professional identity crisis where I'm like, how do I bring my whole self together now and start something new? Because all I knew was that I was this, you know, I was this insurance broker for 22 years of my life. How will I do anything else? I don't know anything else, but then I was like, I know myself, I can get to know myself better. And in that space, I will find what's next. So I trained for a year. I got my diploma in, in executive and life coaching. And from that space onwards, I just went for it and set up my coaching business. You know, <laughs> I, I just, it was a case of just being the usual word that's out there but actually just being vulnerable and just speaking it as it is but I think that's just an autistic strength now that actually has stood to me um from the time I started building my business kind of five or six years ago so I took the money and run and ran effectively <laughs> redundancy and retrained invested in myself and pretty much started out not knowing but learning on the path to five, six years in now. And um, my career coaching practice has really kind of evolved over time. Like I'm very passionate about physical health, um, mental health, um, speaking openly about kind of a lot of personal and professional challenges that I've had. So I built kind of a very unique niche. Um, and mainly it's a lot of people kind of like me, kind of, you know, mid to late 40s, early 50s that are looking to exit and build exit strategies to align with their health. So it just made sense then to actually get into more work as well. Um, when I went back to university there last year to do a master's in kind of workplace health and well-being, too, which is, is a huge area you know, that's not really addressed with a lot of evidence-based stuff but more so addressed sometimes you see in organizations with crayons and pencils which is great don't get me wrong I love crayons and pencils and art and all but sometimes that's just not enough to address people um all people uh, from a needs-based perspective about what we can do to help each other in the workplace so 
that's what I'm I'm currently doing I'm bringing that into the practice now and it's it's all about bringing that whole holistic sense self um to the workplace and getting to know ourselves better so we know what our careers really look like on us you know because we wear them as you say for most of our lives and we spend a lot more of our time working in workplaces sometimes we do at home and with the people we love which is unfortunately the way it can be sometimes but again balance is important is important and that's where a lot of people are at when they're coming to me they're looking for that sweet spot of balance i'm sure both of your clients that come to you are they've reached that point where they've recognized this isn't working yeah because they're not my right (laughs) right you know it's like you know my health is impacted I'm not feeling what I know I should be or I want to be feeling especially when I show up to work every day um you know you have sort of those big aha moments a lot of times in this journey that we take here in life. And I think the older we get, as our health starts to shift, we start to prioritize it. And often it hasn't been a priority in our twenties and thirties, you know, and then we reach, we reach sort of this critical mass point where we're just like, our bodies are just, they quit. They're like, look, we ha- we're serving you. We have been doing everything we can do and you're not helping. And so I, I can't, I, I could kind of quit. And, you know, for me, it was this huge physical breakdown for my life. I mean, I was working in, ho- in the hospital administration. Uh, prior to that, I had worked in insurance adjusting and it's, mm-hmm. you know, those are high pressure, high stress jobs. And yeah. you don't know you're autistic and you're, you're not acknowledging that you have all of these physical needs or sensory needs or just needs in general. And you're just trying to make your way through life to just survive. And that's really where we are. We're just like on the survival mode. When we reach that point where we're recognizing, okay, there's something better. There's something different. I've got to do something totally different. This isn't working anymore. And that's usually probably when people come to you, Polly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. I think, you know, when they've kind of been absorbing. I mean, I know like for me, like probably the majority of my career, sensory overload was obviously, it was a big factor and, recovery from everything was a big factor and I think even autism aside like so many people that come to me they're absorbing so many shocks like and they're absorbing so much workplace anxiety and you know, bumper cars you know every day like it's like a, and then that you get that absorption which actually shocks you then into the actual scare and and you know I think there can be signs I mean for many people of like one shock after the next after the next and then you get the big one and the big bang is then the one where you go okay I mean a lot of people who have come to me have either had minor kind of build-ups of health kind of mental health physical health elements that are kind of going to lead to a big bang if they don't make a change I always try to say, you know, in my context, 
I try to help people not do what I did. I got the big bang and um but it's it is that case of like the self-awareness piece of who you are in your career and why you are in your career and how it's serving your health. I mean, I always ask people to kind of consider like how does your career serve your health, you know? Um, and that's really the question we need to be asking, I suppose at all ages, but most people won't ask it until they get to my age, <laughs> in my 40s, like, or when I ask it of them. I mean, the majority of the time they won't have asked themselves that, like, how is my career serving my health? I mean, initially, most people might think, oh, well, it pays my health insurance, but I'm not talking about that. You know, <laughs> it's like you don't want to be using your health insurance if possible. Um, so it's a nice kind of reframe to kind of get a lot of people to stop and think, you know, how, 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 or how can I enable? Uh, my career to serve my health better instead of how can my career serve everything else in my life um aside from my career which is what most people focus on and then you know we forget without our without our without our health nothing works as you say as we were discussing before we came on here we just don't have the energy or the the awareness um we just burn out you know and as somebody who burnt out for for very long myself it's sometimes it can be very hard to get yourself back uh so you don't want to lose it initially so yeah I like that kind of concept of getting people to focus on their their career as a health enabler effectively oh that that is such you know I always I'm always saying on this show and in conversations with coaching clients it's not the questions that we ask ourselves because we could ask a million questions. It's the quality of the question that we're asking, you know, and in coaching, that's one of the most powerful things that we do is to ask these really quality questions that allow our clients to think about things in a way that they never have before. And it's not about giving an answer. It's just about opening and cracking the door for this new insight in a way that maybe you haven't thought of for yourself before. And I think you just cracked the door on that for so many people listening and watching today. So as we're asking ourselves, because I think that's just one of the most profound places to start, you know, you get in this place where you're just like, okay, nothing's working. My physical health, my mental and emotional health, my relationship health, my work health, everything is just sort of not working. I think, you know, I think so many people can relate to that. I know I certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. And it's from that point when we start to look at and evaluate, well, how is my career serving my health? What are some of the big things to maybe look at or think about when we're asking that question, Pauline? One of the big things, you know, I often talk about, we were talking about boredom actually there a while ago. And I, I used to have my headline on LinkedIn that I help bored professionals and I've changed it again to align it more. But the reality of it is, is I, I think people get bored out from boredom as well, you know? So, I mean, I usually would ask people, when, you know, it's it's traditional coaching work to do the values, core values piece with people. and um, But sometimes, you know, we kind of consider like, you know, what what's the disconnect you know I mean we're always looking for connection to ourselves to other people to our work to meaning and purpose and um, so we can try and work backwards there and look for well where did you have that before and why don't you have it now and what's the disconnect you know and some people 
again, as simple as that question might seem to me as a coach, because I'm asking it a lot and I think about it myself a lot as well from when I'm self-coaching myself. Um, a lot of people just don't, because they're so bored and so burned out from boredom as well. They just don't know what that is for a while. And then, I, I, and then they get frustrated with that as well. And I'm like, that's okay to not know. It's also okay to not know initially what the disconnect is because it gives you more kind of breathing space I mean there's a lot of pressure I think to kind of find your meaning and purpose there really is and I I see a lot of emotional exhaustion from that in my work too um so I suppose it's just to lean into that really and kind of you know there's so there's a lot of key questions you could ask about it it's just the way you ask them as well of course that are um important but i mean nine times out of ten the majority of the core value work that comes to me will be health and balance and that's just really from the age profile um and it's very different to kind of the 20 to 30 year olds you know and i i don't work with as many people in that age group um, but you can certainly see the energy um, disparity between both of the age profiles, even graduates and stuff, you know. And it's wonderful to come from my own learning to see where the values lie. And I'm envisaging maybe, you know, as they progress through their careers, will I, you know, what if I'm still around? I might see them in, <laughs> in their 40s if I'm in my 60s coaching. But, um, and they just come back with the same narratives that I hear now. You know, I, I, I'm bored. I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like there's a lot of anxiety I see a lot of workplace anxiety and that kind of Sunday night career fear and uh, I try and just ask people to lean into that you know and, and and actually describe it in their bodies and their head and their hearts and their souls as to what that really truly feels like and you know there's there's a lot of research on workplace anxiety and what causes it you know and how it affects job performance and how it affects our physical and emotional selves as well um but yeah i mean it's the simple question of like when you discover a value as when you've done the work on the disconnects it's why is that important to us you know and what does it actually give us and it'll come back to probably the core value of it gives me back more time to work on myself and my health you know and health is such like it's such an enabler of everything you know uh i mean there's there's so much creativity and conscious conscious um sorry i've lost that there there's so much creative create creative parts of people that are lost in the whole process of climbing corporate ladders and working their way up in their careers I've seen lots of people as I say come to me with these crises of identity you know sort of similar to what I had when I was made redundant and um you know to, to really do the work on yourself as well like to find what your next career move is or where you have a career that enables your health you have to kind of get your body and mind healthy first to do that work too because it's hard work <laughs> it's hard work it really is it it's it's a yeah. commitment and an investment in yourself in a way yeah. that maybe I know for me I had never done that before in my whole yeah. life until yeah. about 2016 is when I started. 
Um, and I, I love what, what you put on your website. This just tickled me so much. Like it filled my joy box. You talk about your pivotal moments mm. and I was reading through those and, oh God, they were just so relatable, you know, because one of the things, you know, you mentioned just like losing a lot of weight. And yeah. that was one for me because I had gained about a hundred pounds uh, when I had been really, really sick for a couple of years and yeah. on all kinds of medications and it just, oh my gosh, it was miserable. And what I had never noticed or what I had never, I guess, embraced or found in my health before, because I'd always, I've always been an athlete. I've always been athletic, you know, even though I'm not really great, I've always been an athlete and I had never until this point in my life when I was, you know, late thirties, early forties. And I was 42 when I started my running journey, which is so parallel to my autism journey. It's just not even funny. It's actually, and I'm working on sort of some, an article for that, but I'm 48 now. And I started running when I was 42, but when my body, I guess after such a, I guess it was such a distinct black and white awareness for me because I had lost my health Mm -hmm. so greatly that I was bedridden. I couldn't even lift my arm to feed myself. My pots was so bad at that time. And you know, I couldn't, my body wasn't regulating itself. It was, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night with adrenaline surging through my body, gasping for air out of a dead sleep. You know, there, there was just so much happening. And when I started my running journey and I started just weight training and yoga and some other things, I was losing a lot of weight, but what I gained that I never knew before was that there was this alignment and this centering a feeling strong for the first time, because I was feeling strong in my body. It, it translated and I was feeling strong in my mind and my heart. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm the opposite to you now in the sense that I was never athletic when I was younger. <laughs> I did everything possible to avoid gym class. I had every note from my mother sure uh, that I wasn't doing it and I wasn't sporty at all um uh, no I wasn't I wasn't back in the day an unhealthy child really for the usual ailments or I wasn't you know I didn't suffer from obesity as a child um but it was that kind of getting into my career and being yes indeed an undiagnosed autistic autistic throughout my career my 20s and my 30s and uh till I got to my late 30s and I fell into all of that emotional eating and not looking after myself and you know becoming chronically ill with Crohn's and having to have major surgery on my spine and stuff and you know I had a lot of recurrent miscarriages as well from like a rare blood disorder so it just all like it went on and it went on and it went on in layers because I was band-aiding a lot of the emotional stuff and you know you're trying to like fire firefight and put out fires at the same time and show up in your work and your career and obviously 
I wouldn't have been getting accommodations at the time because I I didn't know what they were or what I needed. So again, I was on that, as we spoke about earlier before we came on that autistic autopilot, what most people just do in their careers anyway, like, you know, they, they know no better. So they do know better for themselves. They just do what they have to do to, to pay the bills and survive. Um, and I was just only about surviving. And then the crash and burn came, you know, and I spent two years pretty much out of the workplace uh, recovering from major surgeries and everything kind of came crashing down, you know. And I think when I got into that space when my son turned 18 and I remember looking at me with his him on his graduation night, you know, from before he went off to college here in Ireland and I just looked at a photo of me and him. I thought I look about 60 and I was only 34 at the time, you know, um, and I thought I, I got it. Sorry, apologies. I was almost 30 at 38 at the time. And I thought I've got to do something about this now. I really am. <laughs> this is now his time. So it's going to be my time. And, you know, like that, I, I got in, I, I got into the, the, the um, state of mind where maybe thankfully my autistic hyper focus allowed me to to get into I found the sensory um stimulation and joy and weight training and you know um having a plan and having a routine and I was kind of missing all that for so many years because you know I, I was just on autopilot I didn't have a, you know I was just getting up and going to work and eating and drinking and smoking I was a smoker I was doing all that that, that was my avoidance um coping mechanisms from what really happened really mattered most and um for me like when I started weight training and swimming and walking more and just as the weight was coming off me um and it's you know so many people you know from being a health promoter myself and there's so many people can carry weight and can be healthy I just wasn't one of those people um I just it felt like every layer that came off it was like a self-disclosure I was like disclosing myself to myself and as you say you said something there that resonated with me I was nearly giving myself back to myself so I mean for many years I think I just never gave myself a chance and um I was almost giving up before I could give myself a chance but I was like I'm not giving up now you know <laughs> there's no way <laughs> and seven years on um you know I'm still here I'm still weight training I'm still doing what I can to again to enable my health and to um have a career that enables my health and um it is that feeling of being strong after being so weak. I mean, I, I think a loss of independence is, is a huge rear view mirror to look into, um, to contextualize, you know, why a health enabling career is so important for people, you know? Um, as I said, how many of those shocks are we going to absorb before the big bang comes? Um, and that's again one of the messages I advocate for is like don't let my rear view mirror come for you effectively you know I mean I can't preach about it to people but I can certainly we can certainly work on why and what is important and what it gives us and, and, and what as well I mean I suppose one of the big things around me in my career for years was what I was prepared to tolerate from myself and others as well um, 
and the boundaries around that, you know, that kind of added to all the shocks. And, you know, as again, I was a very high, was a very sensitive person, I suppose, in my career, but I was a very direct person as well. Um, and, you know, even in the work that I, my, my, with my clients, like, you know, a lot of people really appreciate that, you know, they're sensitive, but they're intuitive as well because of the sensitivity. And in that space, they also want direct care communication in their lives and their works. But that has, to, you know, that starts with us directly communicating to ourselves about what we need and what we value and why that's important. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's I, I I it's the best thing I ever did in my life. Make that conscious choice to 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 facilitate like my health, you know. As I said, and we see since the the COVID pause, um, that's really just given people so much time to reflect on what is important and why it's important now, you know, going forward post pandemic. Oh, so much of everything that you just said really just resonates so deep within me. Pauline, what would you say or suggest for someone who's listening today, who's late identified autistic, you know, who is in a job or a career and their, their health is suffering because of it. And, you know, one of the things that that we talk about in NeuroDrive, one of the things that we teach in my NeuroDrive team to companies and helping those who are, are in the work world is starting to look at accommodations in a very different way. Because accommodations aren't just this necessity in the sense that, you know, it's like a legal requirement for a company to fulfill or provide an accommodation for someone, but it's, it's, looking at it from our own perspective and also shifting that belief and perspective within the work world that an accommodation isn't just an inconvenience that you somehow have to figure out. It's someone is asking for something that is integral to their health and their performance. And I think for so many of us who are late identified autistics, who haven't known or recognized that sensory sensitivities or other types of accommodations were really necessary for our best thriving life, health and well-being in all aspects. And we now know this and we're in this career and we're just trying to figure out, do I even disclose that I'm autistic at work? Do I make mm -hmm. a job change now that I know this and that this job just doesn't align with supporting me or my needs or anything? I mean, where where we go with all of that heavy knowledge mm, it's it's interesting because this. it's like how do we actually like from an organizational capacity um how do we encourage disclosure self-disclosure and disclosure of autism in people you know and, and i mean psychological safety is a big is is a big thing for all organizations but I think there needs to be an even higher level of psychological safety for people who are in the neurodivergent space um, to encourage that, you know, disclosure. Because I think the disclosure is, it's, again, if organizations need to ask themselves, like, what are the positive outcomes then for all employees? Because I think the more autistics and ADHD and neurodivergent people who 
who self-disclose willingly in the workplace, they actually cultivate a more psychologically safe space for everybody, you know? Um, and, you know, it's it's being aware, like, for you know how how does that impact the whole health and safety in general as a legal requirement for organizations you know and I mean you know I suppose if I was to reflect back now on my career like I would ask myself you know if I felt like you know as a non-disclosed autistic uh, employee again I'd be asking myself what am I tolerating from myself and what am I tolerating from my employer in that space? And where's the disconnects? And, you know, what is a reasonable accom- accommodation for me in the present moment right now that could actually facilitate me not uh, burning out or having any mental or physical health manifestations of non-disclosing in the workplace, you know? And, and you know, sometimes it's the simplest accommodation that we might, and I know certainly as an autistic person now, if I was in the workplace, I would ask, but maybe years ago, things would have been very different because I would have been on that autopilot. So I would have been like, oh, you know, we're too nice, to ask, you know, and we're afraid then maybe, you know, I mean, I know what being a sensitive person as well, I would have been maybe afraid of a refusal too. Like, and you know, I may have taken that badly and stuff. But that shouldn't be the case now. I mean, it's a very different, it's a very different, um, you know, work uh, landscape that we're in now. And there's much more awareness uh, of this and the more people that come forward with it when they're ready. You know, I mean, we shouldn't be forced to have to disclose their autism. But if we want to, we should feel psychologically prepared and safe to do that. And our organizations should create those spaces for us and realize the benefits for everyone, you know. Um, and so much strength in numbers and loads of lovely brains, lovely creative brains, <laughs> absolutely, working together with collective empathy and all those lovely things that come with uh, having such a diverse workforce, you know really are what is the one thing that if you could if you could share something today with someone who has sort of reached this point that you and I both experienced in our life where we're like okay the health and the career are not aligning I know that you have some wonderful free resources on your website. And one of those is a path for finding and identifying your why. You've got about 20 questions that you take people through, but where would you say is the best place to start? I know values is a really big part, but just where's the, what's that first step? What's that one thing that somebody or that insight that might help someone start to align their career and their health today? Oh, as an older 46-year-old now, I would have to say it's nearly like the, uh, it has to be the boundaries. They're like a physical energy field. They're like a barrier to to BS, basically, that you're putting up with. Um, Like, I, I mean, I wrote a piece on this years ago for Thrive Global about boundaries and how actually when I started to enforce and enact them, it did feel like I had this protective shield around my energy that just allowed me to actually focus on my health, you know, and what the disconnects were. Um, 
and more consciously and creatively put in space in place routines and structures that served my autism now really really important um because that's how I know that's how I was like I was diagnosed once nuts and bolts start getting taken away they start to unravel and for me in the pandemic that was my training my gym and stuff you know but it is that yeah but you know I had to have boundaries in place with my own work and with other people to actually ensure I got to the gym and I did my training and I do my mindfulness and I do my journaling and I do my all these things that cultivate and health for me on a holistic and like the word holistic w-h-o-l-e-o-l-i-s-t-i-c holistic perspective for me so yeah it's uh I suppose as an autistic person now to anybody else out there who's kind of got that disconnect with their career and they feel they're on the cusp of burnout it's yeah it's what are the boundaries what are the boundary breaches what are the bar what are what are and what are the barriers to me actually having um proactive boundaries that protect my health and my emotional space you know because I mean they really are just like this as I said energy field spiritual kind of your own guardian angel effectively you know that you kind of have this aura around you that just it doesn't make you invincible don't get me wrong but it certainly makes you more intuitive and more collectively intelligent as to what you're letting in and you're letting out um and what serves like the, the the inner work you know boundaries are huge boundaries are a huge piece of work they of course they, they do follow on from the values work but i nearly actually start with the boundaries sometimes first because sometimes in the boundary space you find more deeper values that is such a good one and it's one that's so important and i know that in my coaching and in the minor autistic brain community you guys know i asked this what boundaries are discussed? What, what did you grow up with learning about boundaries? You know, how did you experience boundaries mm. in your life? And most people are like, I don't, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. exactly. This is sort of where we need to start sometimes. And time boundaries are one of the big ones that time is um, one of my core values. Yeah. I'm really like, I'm actually kind of a bit like pedantic about time and valuing time and other people's time and energy too. But that starts with valuing my own time and energy, you know. And uh, once you give yourself back time, you know, <laughs> there's one place we're all going eventually. But if you can give yourself back time while you're here in the present moment to actually do the stuff that helps your um, health enabling career. Well, that's that's a bonus. That's a win win to me, you know. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Pauline, I really couldn't. Pauline, thank you so much for joining me today and for having this discussion about where our career and our health intersect and how we start making some intentional choices moving forward in our life and in our career to align with what's going to serve us in a thriving best life. Guys, if you want to check out Pauline Harley, she is amazing. We've got links down in the show notes below so you can get some of these free resources that we mentioned today. So you can connect with Pauline. Go check her out over on LinkedIn. 
go check out what she has got on her website, the coaching resources. And if you are in a place in your career where you're asking what next, definitely take a look. Pauline, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Carol. My pleasure. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.